So ladies and gentlemen, while the rest of the episode obviously has some form of rhyme and reason, uh, my intros usually don't. It's usually the first thing that comes to my head or what's on the top of my mind. This one is a special one. Listen to this. Jamaica bans music that promotes guns and drugs. In the words public enemy struck D, bring the noise. Podcast Network. I'm Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. It's what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just, what? I saw that today. I was just like, uh, I, 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 I don't get it. Like, what, what do you mean? They ban music that promotes guns and drugs. That just doesn't make sense to me. All right, so here's some a little more detail via The Voice uh, newspaper. Um, off their IG. Uh, reasons this. Jamaica has banned the playing of music that promotes guns, scamming, and the use of the drug Molly. Uh, the Broadcasting Commission Jamaica, um, BCJ, issued the directive on Tuesday. The broadcasting regulator said it is part of their commitment to keep the airwaves free of harmful content. Under the new rules, radio stations are strictly forbid from playing uh, music that glorifies lottery scamming, illegal guns, and the use of the drug molly. The ban came into effect immediately. The commission said traditional media still plays an important role in the Caribbean country and urged radio stations to comply with new regulations. A statement from BCJ said, quote, the use of the public airways to broadcast songs that promote slash glorify illegal activity could give the wrong impression that criminality is an accepted feature of Jamaican culture and society, unquote. The commission regulates Jamaica's radio, TV, and cable sectors. (sighs) So... Not to make this kind of like a mini a mini um segment, but you know, this is like um this is like when um this is like when a old old time in America there was like an old timey uh during the early years of the film industry there, um there were these uh, rules. Um I'm gonna see if I can look them up. Um just uh US film code rules. I I, I forgot what it, there was a 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 name for them. Hayes Code. The Hayes Code. The Hayes Code. Right. So let me look up this real quick. So yeah, the Hayes Code basically was a industry self-imposed set of guidelines um, for all motion pictures from thir- released between thirty-four and sixty-eight, and basically the code prohibited profanity, suggestive nudity, graphic or realistic violence, sexual persuasions, and rape. Right. So it kind of reminded me of that in a way, where it's just like. You're you're taking you're 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 removing your your transplant your tr- not transplant but you're you're taking out basically a really significant element of human life right art imitates life okay yes bro there's people take drugs people pop off guns right I I've I don't think I've heard a song that's specifically about a uh, uh, online scamming but I'm sure there's that as well um but. It it just reminds me of that. It just reminded me. It, my mind went to the Hayes Code, um, 
obviously the Hayes code was just a bit more anal and uh, I mean can't say that now <laughs> anal and um, the yeah it was just uh, it was just absurd right it's, 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 what's suggestive nudity what does that mean okay so what about guns right so you just want them to be creative because you know you could be creative with that you don't have to say I'll pop someone you could you could say something different right you can get very mafia speak with it do some godfather shit sleeping with the fishes what does that mean sleeping with the fishes bro but we know what it means now right so i i don't know man just jamaica's just taking a big l right here um i mean i guess if it's just molly i mean i don't i don't i don't, I, I don't know any tracks that that of again these this is it right so when you listen to an edm track right it may be built for people on Molly, Molly, right? For you know, because when you listen to EDM on Molly, I'm not saying this by experience, but I can imagine it's pretty lit, right? <laughs> but are they about Molly? Are there tracks in EDM about Molly? I'm sure there are, but I've never heard one that explicitly said, "I took this Molly and now I'm lit." Like you know, what I mean, just I'm I'm being I'm being a bit glib about it, but you see where I'm coming from, right? It just <laughs> music doesn't act like that this <laughs> is it's not as it's not obvious most of the time like there's plenty of sex songs or songs about sex that have come through in the part in, in pop music top 40 pop music and people are blasting that till the cows come home right it's crazy go listen to some 80s shit from top 40 80s shit half of them are about sex you just don't even care you you don't even know it and then you listen to the lyrics and you're like oh yeah that is about sex isn't it you know, you just, you don't deep it. You don't deep it until you think about it. Anyway, peak for Jamaica. Um, hopefully the music, the music I listen to uh, that originates from there doesn't get affected. Um, but yeah, that's just, a, that's, that's a, that is a crazy ruling right there. But anyway, um, I hope you all had a good week. Um, I've been solid. Um, I've just been lugging myself from, uh, from here to town just in the past few days for some appointments and it's just a bit of a trek. Um, I'm just I'm a bit over it. I'm over this week already. It's just um, it's, 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 I'm just over it. Um, but yeah, after Thursday, I'm pretty pretty much uh, free and clear for a bit. So there's that. Um, so yeah. Anyway, let's jump right into the show. We got tech, life, society, music. Formats before we begin. Email to the Discord link. All that, all that, all that in the full show notes. Please go pick the articles for yourself and give them a read. That's all the writers that make the show possible. And with that said, let the beat drop. And let's get into the show. week where Joe Biden pardons all prior federal offences of simple weed possession, um, which really, uh, I saw this tweet uh, on the day, and I was kind of, I'm paraphrasing, but this really shits all over Kamala Harris's CV right there, <laughs> considering her her, her, her work, uh, line of work before she became VP in the Senate, um, just, just saying. Uh, former policeman attacks a Thai daycare centre, killing 38, including 24 children, Jesus Christ. Uh, three people were killed in an explosion on a crucial bridge linking Russian Crimea. Uh, Kiev, in response, is hit with over 40 missiles. Um, and actress Angela Lansbury dies age 96. Um, everybody, pump your fingers um, for Shakadimus and Pliers. Blast that murder she wrote for me one time. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, uh, let's um, let's get into tech. So um, the 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 
I don't know what you want to call it, the 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 the, the new cycle on Elon Musk copying Twitter again has uh, come to the forefront. Um, seems that he is actually copying now. I I haven't looked too deep into it. Um, apart from this little column, uh, this is from Peter Kafka from uh, Vox, uh, Rico via Vox, and uh, yeah, just um, it's called uh, Elon Musk can't fix Twitter because no one can, um, and just an outstanding title. And uh, it's, it's true, like Twitter is a cesspool. Like, you know, just you can't you can't fix a cesspool. You really can't. Um, just and it, all these social medias can't be fixed in some way. Apart from Instagram, which has the most simplest of bugs I've had for over five years, and they still haven't fixed them. I can't wait to get off that piece of shit app. Um, but anyway, it's not about Instagram. This is about Twitter. Let's jump right. We still have lots of questions and theories about Elon Musk's on and off, uh, on, off, on, d- again, deal uh, to buy Twitter. Uh, but there's one thing that everyone opining about Twitter seems to agree on. Regardless of who owns it, Twitter is one of the world's most important social networks. Uh, the uh, quote, the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated, as Musk put it last April. Are we sure about that? Um, well, yes, uh, I, 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 feel, I feel so. But anyway, uh, yes, Twitter can be informative, entertaining and enraging. Excuse me for a subset of its users. And I am in this one. Uh, it's compelling, addictive and periodically useful. Um, I, I believe that um, I get a lot of I get a lot of from Twitter, actually, probably more than I should. But I just feel like it's it just and it just works for me in terms of news gathering you know, up to the minute stuff. I feel like it's pretty good for that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's OK in some ways. But, you know, you can say that about most things. And depending on the way you view politics, you might think incorrectly that it represents true public opinion. That I don't believe. Like <laughs> after after when you when you go through several general elections during your time on Twitter, you quickly realise that not everybody's on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so I don't care what and, and obviously this is more about um lends to a, a bigger conversation about echo chambers. Um but yeah, just don't just don't get too uh, hopped up on what Twitter tells you um, in terms of, especially stuff like politics. Um, just, just, um, just don't, don't get too deep into it. Uh, that's different though from being vital and worrisomely from uh, Musk or whoever owns Twitter in the near future. There's a very real chance that whatever important Twitter, importance Twitter does have in its permanent decline, which may be why he floated an idea about uh, turning Twitter into something else altogether, as he pitched via tweet on Tuesday evening. You could be forgiven at this point for not putting too much stake into Musk's tweets about Twitter or anything else. Meanwhile, there's a thought experiment. What it, what happens if Twitter goes offline tomorrow for good? A bunch of us get some uh, valuable time back for starters. More seriously, some people lose an easy way to tell the world what they think, and a larger number lose a real real time window to the world. I feel like I'm in that latter part, uh, latter um, stage there definitely. But realistically, because uh, I I don't I mean I opine on Twitter a lot, obviously, because you know it's Twitter is just a black hole for you to shout words in sometimes most of the times um unless you have some form of clout um but you know i try not to i i used to opine constantly on on twitter i, I, don't, I don't do it much now I've, a few quote tweets here and there maybe just some random thought that i've just had i'm just like you know let me, let me throw this out just just you know just again just throw it into the abyss it's just throwing words into the abyss so i think about it i think of a thing like a shower thought so to speak i throw it out there and and then I move on. <laughs> I said, you know what Twitter is for me sometimes. Uh, but realistically, 
Most people aren't spending time on Twitter to, to begin with. Most certainly not the youngest generation of his internet users who weren't that interested in Twitter a few years ago and are even less so today. Just 23% of American teens say they use the service now, down from 33% in 2014 per pew. Um, so yes, um, wow, YouTube's high. 95% YouTube, wow. That's crazy. Um, Facebook has dropped dramatically from 71 to 32. That's very funny to me. Anyway, I'm surprised Twitch is only 20%. I feel, I feel like that should be higher. Twitter is actually above on 23. Who knew? I feel like Twitch is higher considering how many, how much use just are on, on Twitch. In my mind, anyway. But I don't know. Clearly not. Even when accounting for users of all ages, Twitter isn't remotely as popular as some other social networks. Yes, there's 238 million monthly users are dwarfed by obvious suspects, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, but it's also much tinier than the likes of Snapchat, which has 347 million daily users. That's crazy to me. What the fuck are you lot doing on Snapchat? Seriously, I, I still don't get it. I've, I've, I didn't get it in the beginning. I still don't get it now. Which is three, uh, uh, WeChat, the Chinese app that boasts 1.2 billion active users. Okay, that's a bit different. It's a little bit different there, but whatever. Um, and despite efforts to move uh, beyond its SMS-based origins, see Instagram... Uh, see the Instagram acquisition that never happened and the short prescient life of its Vine acquisition uh, tw Twitter remains firmly text based at a time when much of the world is embracing images and video and at the other end of the spectrum some humans exhausted by Twitter's chaos and combativeness are warming to quieter more controlled conversations the kind you can find in text messaging threads or moderated conversations on Reddit or Discord Perhaps the best realistic case for Twitter's importance comes from writer Ryan Broderick, who calls it, quote, the main website through which all culture tra travels in America. But that's not because everyone in America uses Twitter. Broderick is arguing that Twitter is simply the top layer of social media, because, mainly because it's quite searchable, especially compared to TikTok, quote, brackets for now. It's a guide to rest to the rest of the internet, not a hangout. That's a good point. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I, because I, you know, you, there's plenty of TikTok shit on Twitter. You don't have to be on TikTok to see TikToks. Um, Instagram is basically that now. Where it's just like I just see TikToks on my Discovery page. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> sure, I guess. Um, but yeah, people just repost it. To be honest, that's most of the time anyway. But it's easy to see why Twitter, uh, Twitter users, particularly those in and around politics, like so many of the uh, bold-faced names who showed up in Musk's texts, place so much value on Twitter. Part of that stems from the company's early years, when it was frequently described as a democratizing tool. Uh, Twitter was where a Pakistani engineer could end up inadvertently live-tweeting the top-secret raid that killed Osama bin Laden. It was also where protesters in Egypt, Iran, and Tunisia could organize against repressive regimes. And a lot of that mental value was cemented during, during a Donald Trump's campaign and presidency, where a man raised on TV and print newspapers learned he could use Twitter to command the world's attention using just the right amount of crazy. But looking backward, you can also understand why those use cases aren't uh, really extendable. Protesters can still use Twitter to organise, but repressive regimes can demand Twitter demand that Twitter take down posts, or that they, or they can throttle it or turn it off altogether, or they can throw Twitter users in jail. I also think a lot of us have misread Twitter's value to Trump. Yes, he enjoyed his ability to command the world's news cycle with a couple of keystrokes, but he only got that power because he was president of the United States. And the way he got that job was by spending years playing a successful businessman on television. Now Trump doesn't have access to Twitter at all, though that could definitely change under Musk. And while his social media reach was poleaxed after uh, January 6th riots, he's still very capable of take, uh, talking to the world whenever he wants. And I think a little bit less. I feel like it's very easy to tune Trump out these days. 
Um, but yeah, and we have no choice but to listen because he has a good chance to become president again. Yeah, still. Uh, I, I guess uh, I guess that's just my British bias. I guess if you're in America, it's a little bit different. But yeah, I don't know. but even if Twitter was as important as some of its biggest fans think it was, it doesn't mean it'll stay that way. Digital ecosystems have a shelf life, and it's entirely reasonable to think that Twitter is, is approaching. Quote, when I talk to people who are looking at the broader media ecology, it's very clear that Twitter's importance in this sphere dot, 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 has an expiration date. The Atlantic's Charlie Warzel uh, told me uh, when we talked about it, uh, talked about all of this on this week's Recode Media. Excuse me. Uh, Twitter's usefulness as a political tool had a decade-long run that peaked during Trump's presidency, he theorizes. Now it's likely going to give way to something new. Another quote, you can also imagine other politicians or other people coming up and using a different platform in a different way that makes it that, import, makes it that important, he told me. The obligatory, to be sure, uh, thought is that the 208 million people who use Twitter routinely aren't going to stop using it overnight. And even if Twitter's political and cultural importance fades, as, say, TikToks grows, uh, there will be people of all stripes who continue to get value out of it. That includes me, even as I know that most people I followed in its very early years, primarily tech-oriented folks like venture capitalists, seem to have stopped, use, stopped posting entirely. And as Musk himself points out, pointed out, the non-Musk celebrities with the most followers on Twitter rarely use it anymore. Too much hassle, not enough upside. Betting that anyone, Elon Musk included, can turn around a fading digital consumer company is a very risky proposition, namely because it's never been done before. Once internet users decide they've moved on to something else, they never come back. See MySpace, AOL, Yahoo, also seeing Mark Zuckerberg's plan to create a new metaverse business to replace his aging Facebook business. If you wanted to spin this positively for Musk, you could argue that he doesn't want to turn Twitter around, but that he wants to turn it into something else entirely. A super app that would have dot 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 everything. Uh, which is what he tweeted on Tuesday. Unlikely it's going to happen, but it's maybe more likely than restoring Twitter to the importance that many of us imagine it has. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing being on Twitter, right? Because you you don't see, you, you know, you follow a few. I mean, I personally follow, you know, um, a few hundred people, and I I stick it to that, right? I try not to, I try not to go above four hundred. I've just capped myself there for some reason, because just because it it's visually pleasing to be at four hundred. And um, yeah, I feel like that's a good, good, a good, a good point to stop. You know what I mean? I feel, I feel like any more you're just going to be inundated with bullshit and just, um, just jargon. I mean, I'm already inundated with jargon anyway. They, they, they pump me with so many fucking suggestions and quote unquote topics that have, and and tweets that have nothing to do with the topics. Like, what did I see the other day? I mean, you've seen, you know, you've if you've been on Twitter, you've definitely been hit with one of those things where like uh, you you're given like a, a random tweet and the topic is something stupid, is just like I don't know Tony Hawk, and it has nothing to do with Tony Hawk, or someone said Tony Hawk, and it's just it's just okay, cool, thanks for giving me this tweet, but I just don't care. Like, and all the sponsored tweets, like, they always they always show promoted tweets constantly now. Um, I've noticed that in recent years. So yeah, you know, it's, it's it's my main social media app. Honestly, like I use it the most out of most uh, of everything. All the other social media platforms combined. And even when I said I only use you know WhatsApp, maybe once a week <laughs> if someone randomly hits me up on that. Uh, I'm only on that just just in case somebody hits me up on it. I rarely use it myself um, to actually initiate conversation. I do use Signal. That's my main messaging app. Uh, Instagram. Eh, now and again, like a few times a day, but not for long. Um, about an hour at most uh, every day. Um, 
yeah, maybe YouTube if you count as a social media network, because then, then I'm watching constant YouTube videos um, some days. But yeah, you know, most of the time it's Twitter. Um, you know, get DMs, just uh, just see what's happening. Um, yeah, it's just an easy spot. I, I, f- I find it very easy to use, and that's it. Right, it's, it's very ease of use um, base for me. Um, but still, no voice DMs, no voice, and I don't even care about voice tweets, but no voice DMs just criminal like every messaging app has it and they just still don't have it i I just that's the only thing that is really annoying me about twitter like everything else i could not care about i don't care about the twitter circle i don't care about twitter blue i don't care about editing tweets to be completely honest just give me voice dms just i want to bark at people on my i can't be sometimes i just can't be asked you just need to you need to vocalize your your pissivity at somebody on the dm if you want to roast someone, you know what I mean? You just need that. You need to just hit, need that option. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, this has nothing to do with uh, Elon Musk, to be honest, and him buying it. And to be honest, I don't really care. Um, I, I don't think, even and, if, and even if it does change completely, I don't know whether it's for the better or not. Who, who f- fucking knows? I don't really care that much to forecast. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know if it's worth 44 bill. Um, not my money. But uh, yeah, man, do do you go ahead and do you try and fix Twitter if you want? Because you know, a cesspool is a cesspool is a cesspool. Speaking of cesspools, the UK. Let's hop on to our society segment. Um, this is, I mean, not strictly about the UK but um, it's more about people in the UK um, specifically our good old boomers um, the, good, the good old boomers have come off uh, come out uh, mask off um, especially this one in particular woman um, I didn't actually see this video um, I know what the article is referencing but I never actually uh, spun it <laughs> um, so anyway um, but if you haven't never fear because there's some good quotations here so this is by John Elledge uh, via the new statesman, it's called Boomers Can't Believe Their Luck. So they claim it was all hard work. Um, so yeah, this is, is absolutely outstanding. Uh, the woman in the video. Um, and there's, there's a link to the video if you want to see it. So there you go. Um, the woman in the video is perhaps in her 60s in a white and pink jacket with a whitish blonde bob. She's a former and potentially future conservative councillor from Somerset. That says it all, doesn't it? Says a lot. Um, well-spoken, uh, but not strikingly posh. Okay. Quote, Now that I don't have a mortgage, it's quite nice that the interest rates are going back up slightly because we've been getting absolutely zip on our savings for a long time. Felicity Baker tells the interviewer from Times Radio, Sometimes we feel that we only ever hear about the people who who need stuff, not about the, what do they call it, the squeezed middle? Whether those who don't need it um, but merely want things are really the squeeze middle is a question perhaps left for uh, for Ed Miliband. Then there's a slight break in the recording, so it's hard to be sure of whom Baker is saying, quote, being thoroughly selfish about it. But she does note that when I was a youngster, newly married, we were paying 15, 16 plus percent. So much of our money every month went on the mortgage. By contrast, youngers... Youngsters expect an awful lot more these days. If you look at places like Italy in particular, or Germany, they don't actually aspire to own their own home. 
they're quite happy to rent and to use the rest of the money to enjoy themselves. And so it goes on. Baker is not an MP, let alone a minister, and there's nothing uh, in her words or her demeanour to suggest malice, as opposed to simply ignorance. The reason her interview made such a, such a splash, the reason I'm writing this now, are days after the Conservative Party conference, where it was filmed, ended, uh, is that her words felt like a perfect summation of a worldview we normally catch only glimpses of. The older generation's luck was down to hard work. The next cohort's uh, struggles reflect a char- character flaw. Certain already comfortable voters deserve more goodies. Another poorer group should lower their sights. Since it was more comfortable older generations which provided the Tories with most of the votes uh, these last few years, the worldview has proved annoyingly influential. With this unreflective and unselfconscious selfishness, that video is like a three-minute interview with the Conservative Party's unrestrained uh, ID. Uh, a few points are worth noting. Italy actually has higher home ownership rates in the UK and has uh, had for some time. Renters cannot, in fact, save all their money for other things. Renting a home has recently been more expensive than paying a mortgage, even if your landlord is a local authority. Higher interest rates may change this, but not if they are passed down from landlords in the form of higher rents. UK interest rates did top 40% on a few occasions in the 1970s and 80s. Yes, but house prices and mortgage uh, mortgage sizes were vastly lower relative to incomes, so although spikes hurt, how could they not? They were not necessarily crippling. They were also relieved in part by the fact that mortgage interest was tax deductible. Today, no such tax relief exists. The average mortgage debt held by those who have managed to claw their way onto the ladder is much higher. And, the, and where wages once rose steadily, eroding, eroding debt through inflation, they have now been essentially flat for 15 years. Pull these things together, argues housing analyst Neil Hudson, and household finances are on course to be a squeeze by this crisis as they were by nominally larger spikes. This is without even getting into the fact that many under 30s today, hello, are tens of thousands of pounds in debt thanks to tuition fees. Or that while many people uh, now go to university, that pie reflects the reality that many more jobs now demand degrees. Or that welfare system is va- uh, or that the welfare system is vastly less generous than it once was, except that is towards pensioners. Or that government has repeatedly raised taxes on the young while protecting the old. Nor does it have, uh, nor does it consider the fact that those who have overstretched themselves to buy homes have often had no choice in the matter since renting is overpriced and under-regulated. <coughs> Excuse me. If you were Snyder family in the last few years, borrowing too much to buy a home was not a sign of financial incontinence. It, w- it may well have been the only way of attaining security in a market in which housing was far, far too expensive. Found this article about intergenerational prejudice. Incidentally, I've been trying very hard to keep a lid on my own. This is why I've got this far without using the word boomers. One of the reasons people, uh, I'm assuming Edge is a boomer of, this, of that, of course, uh, one of the reasons people believe in things like conspiracy theories uh, is what Michael Shermer of the Skeptic Society has termed agenticity. The fuck is that? The need to put, on, to put a face on structural forces. Sometimes massive life-changing things happen because a virus mutates or there's a war overseas or the world's banking system falls over and vast uh, quantities of capital sink sanctuary in the housing market where you happen to live. Such phenomena are difficult to comprehend, though. It is often not clear who to blame. 
much easier instead to credit your good luck to your judgement, but another's bad luck to their flaws. At the end of the interview, the Times radio reporter asked Baker if the Tories will win the next election. Quote, at the moment, no, obviously not, she replies. Then she seems to address her party, so I say thank you once again for stuffing it all up. But it isn't just the Tory leadership that stuffed it up. It's the people who pushed the party to adopt positions that would further enrich some voters at the expense of many others who conceive of interest rates rises as a boon for their savings, not a thing that will ruin other people's lives. Sometimes there are really uh, there, there really are people to blame for our problems, but they're not always the people we think. Um, well, you know, while you may say that, um, John, um, I just find every Tory voter wrong, um, just fundamentally. I, d- I don't see what possible positives they could give you as as a you know singular voter, what positives they can give to you uh, as it pertains to whatever the fuck they have in their manifesto. And you are willing to just bat an eyelid to all of the other demonic policies just because you might get a tax break or something. You know, just... Oh, this thing apply. Oh, this thing applies to me. I like this. Voting on one policy is fucking outrageous to me. I I just find that absolutely outrageous, and I feel like that's how most people vote. People voted for the exit. My mum. I've said this before. My mum voted for the exit purely out of I don't know irrational. Um, and I'm saying this. I'm not putting. I'm. I'm trying not. I'm not going to put words in my mouth. Cause, but this is how I see it. This is how I see her decision making towards that was, was that she was, I don't know. It was an irrational fear, I guess, over, um, flooding borders. I don't think she knew the numbers at all. I don't think she looked into that at all. Did no research on that front. She just was given some. She was given a. It sounded good. You know what I mean? I don't know. Just just sounded good. I guess. I, you know. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to, you know, throw her under the bus like that, but, you know, she did, she voted, and that was kind of the reason she gave me, and there was kind of like nothing else behind it, no evidence behind it, but that's how people vote, and that's how people vote for Tory, that's how people vote for Labour, that's how people vote for everything, and that just doesn't flow with me. Why look at a manifest, why look at a several page manifesto and just see like, ooh, I, I'm, I'm currently trying to buy a house, let me look at housing. No! No! Don't do that! Don't fucking do that. Um, little, um, a little, uh, a little uh, uh, piece of uh, stat, uh, stat I saw, um, uh, just to finish up. Um, this is via uh, Mike Gullsworthy. Um, I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Um, so buying a house from ni- com- from 1990 compared to 2020, okay? So um, this is the source's land registry, right? So in 1990, um, the 90s average UK household income was 20448 and the UK uh, average UK house price was 57 1726 now 2020 and obviously beyond probably worse at this point bigger number average uk household income 37 1100 and the uk house price 237 834 so yeah i don't have to say much on that front not much more to say um, but yeah, man, she shout to homegirl. Um, clearly, just um, just just wanted to just just went just went mask off, and uh, and you know, I agree with John. Um, I feel like she made it out of ignorance. My my mum voted for the exit out of ignorance, and you know, it is what it is. But that's just a I guess a wider failure of how media works, um, of um, how bad faith politicians are. 
Um, it's, a, it's a product of a lot of things. It's a byproduct of a lot of things. Um, and they need to be fixed. Um, one thing at a time, of course. But um, yeah. <sighs> Just shout to the boomers, man. Just shout to the boomers for not reading shit. let's hop on to uh, music and this is um, all about uh, rappers um, getting killed basically um, so there's been hi- some high profile deaths um, recently Young Dolph PNB Rock most recently as, as, and there's plenty of others I could name um, and I saw this icon I just found it interesting um, this is via NBC Black BLK um, killings of rappers are more than just a hip hop problem experts say this is by Shaw Adams um, so let's jump right in, because um, as you can imagine, I'm always interested in this kind of thing. And I'm currently writing an essay um, on hip-hop, um, so I feel like this um, adds to just to my thought process a lot. So yeah, let's get into it. The fatal shooting of rapper Half Ounce um, has ignited... That's a great name for rapper, but um, Half Ounce. Um, has ignited a familiar conversation about gun violence, rap culture, and whether there's responsibility for record labels to protect their eyes. Yes, there is. There is. Yes, there is. Um... A uh, 32-year-old rapper whose real name was uh, Latarisha O'Brien uh, was killed in Los Angeles, Koreatown neighborhood on Monday, uh, just weeks after the rapper P&B Rock was fatally shot during a robbery in the same city. Uh, these rappers are part of a string of eyes who have died by gun violence, with at least one rapper being fatally shot every year since 2018, while uh, with other high-profile rappers such as Drakeo Ruler, who was fatally stabbed in 2021, Grammy-nominated rapper Lucy Hustle also fatally shot, 2019 in Los Angeles. There's been some conversation on whether cities with a prevalent uh, gang presence have become a dangerous place for those directly involved in the hip hop community. Earlier this year, legendary MC turned actor Ice T issued a warning to young rappers who are coming to Los Angeles for Super Bowl related activities, uh, festivities. Uh, the, the tweet is um, embedded there if you want to want to peep. But experts say the problem is much more complex than that. Elaine Richardson, a professor at Ohio State University who specializes in African-American cultures, literacy, and hip-hop, said it's important to prioritize systemic issues when we discuss the killings of rappers. Uh, Quote, It's a reflection of the problem of gun violence in the larger society and violence in general in America. You have to think critically about oppression and the larger context we live in, she said. Gun violence is, continuing with the quote, a part of the condition of black people's society, everything that is dangerous and harmful to large society. Uh, there's always going to be a disparity in our communities. It's all systemic. It's part of the way. It's part of the way the society is structured. Richardson added. And the aftermath of such killings, questions often swirl about corporate culpability, particularly claims that record labels push eyes to assume tough guy personas while failing to protect them from the violence they promote. It's a question that has consumed the hip hop community since the fatal shooting of DJ Scott LaRock in 1987. Considered to be the first high-profile shooting death of a major hip-hop artist, La Rock, who was uh, who was part of the influential hip-hop group Boogie Down Productions, was fatally shot outside a Bronx apartment complex that summer. In the case of PNB Rock, whose real name was Rakim Hashim Allen, uh, fans speculated whether his former record label Empire took out a life insurance policy on the rapper. This claim has not been substantiated by NBC News. Bobby Fisher, the vice president of Vice and Repertoire A&R, uh, for Empire said the label only worked with, with the artist uh, briefly on his hit single Selfish in 2016 and had no significant connection with him afterward. 
Throw him out the throw him under the bus. Eh? Fucking hell. Rappers including King Von and Young Dolph, who Fisher said uh, Fisher said worked with or distributed their work uh, music through Empire, were fatally shot in recent years in Atlanta and Memphis, Tennessee, respectively. Fisher uh, said neither fans nor label officials ever get used to such violence and call the deaths traumatizing. Another quote. I think anyone who signs an artist, there's a component of compassion to make sure your artist is safe. However, you can't manage your artist 24-7. Fisher said of claims that record labels should do more to protect rappers. NBC News uh, could not confirm the exact relationship of uh, the aforementioned artist had with the label. Oh, why not? Why, why ever not? Random. Wonder why they wouldn't give that information. Wonder why. He noted that there's only so much label officials can do to keep their artists safe without controlling their personal lives. Another quote. They're out doing shows, they're going to be with their loved ones. Most of the time, artists come from impoverished neighbourhoods that they go back to, trying to show support and love. You can advise as much as possible in areas of your work in areas of work, you can provide security. But artists have their own lives outside of being artists, he said. When news of own rapper's death makes headlines, a sharp critique of hip hop tends to follow. February, New York City Mayor Eric Adams condemned drill rap a drill rap after two artists, Jaquan McKenley and Taji Dobson who was known as uh, T.Woo, uh, were shot dead in Brooklyn. We pulled Trump on Twitter, yet we are allowing music displaying, gun, uh, displaying of guns violence, Adam said. Uh, then, uh, vowing to urge social media companies to remove videos featuring drill music from their platforms. Last month, New York Times confirmed with management that label rep- and label, le- label representatives that Adams had three drill rappers removed from the city's Rolling Now Festival over fears of potential violence. This kind of comes back to the um, the intro of the show, actually, doesn't it? it? Ties pretty well. Scholars like A.D. Carson, an assistant professor of hip-hop and the Global South at University of Virginia. Great names, by the way, in terms of just, like, professor of... And I mean, hi- professor of hip-hop and the Global South. That's a great fucking just profession right there. Big up. Um, have called out efforts to vilify rap uh, music and the use and, and use the music uh, genre to reinforce stereotypes and mythologies about black people. He wrote in an essay for the conversation, the rapper's display of hypermasculinity and even violence are meant to signal a kind of authenticity, adding that quote, those who still seek to vilify rap may, might do well to focus on the sources of the crisis of violence in America rather than blaming the music that reflects it. Chuck Creekmore, uh, Creekmer, uh, the CEO of a hip-hop-centered uh, site, All Hip Hop, Shared similar sentiments. There are a lot of nuances that people uh, don't necessarily take into account when looking at rappers' death. Uh, I personally believe it's indicative of what's going on in our communities in general. Uh, there is uh, there's this prevailing notion that rap artists have the most dangerous job. But I don't subscribe to that. No, no, of course not. <laughs> don't know who don't know who's saying that. But um, oh, man, it's just um, it's a lot there. So. We can agree um, that we can. I think. I think we can agree that um, you know backgrounds and um, places where the rappers come from, and uh, you know the societies around them, the ecosystem around them, so to speak. Um, that is the that's the crux of it, right? Um, they they you know if they, if they were I don't know if they were born in fucking I don't know if they were born in wealth, right? And uh, you know, born on a born on a tower on a hill, you know what I mean, with a moat. Then you know they wouldn't be they wouldn't be in the neighborhoods that um, they grew up in, right? 
that's just obvious, right? So let's take that. So we have we we can agree on that that these people, uh, these rappers come from most of them come from impoverished neighborhoods, right? So where do you go from that? So most people go to um, most people go to oh okay so they 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 grew up in these so they don't know they don't um uh, th- this is all they know they all they know is drugs and rap and killing and you know that's that's what they rap about they rap about drugs and rap and killing because that's what they know that's their environment okay cool um but you know why why is that you know um let's, let's zoom out a bit why is it the case that these rappers and hip hop artists in general, uh, a majority, uh, and the, not majority, I don't know, I, I can't, I don't want to go ahead and say the majority or minority, but you know, a healthy slew, let's say that, a healthy slew of artists, right, of hip hop artists, um, traffic in that kind of kind of lyrical content. Okay, why do they do that? Um, because they're that's where they're from. But why is where they're from? Why is that the why? Why is that area so impoverished? Why is that area um, so inundated with the drugs, crime, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? You know what I mean? And why hasn't it been rectified yet? You know what I mean? Uh, that's a genuine question. Okay, and this doesn't have to be. This doesn't have to be the case in um, in America. This is the case in a lot of places, right? See, America is a very um a very e- a very easy place to have this conversation and by easy i mean by easy i mean data right i mean i mean data i just mean stories and st- storylines right it's easy to get those um, i'm not here i'm not going to look up german rap just to see if anybody got killed but well, I'm, I'm pretty sure there have been people german rappers that have been killed um or maybe in the netherlands i forget um but yeah you know whatever uh, America is just an easy place to to go. So why is that area impoverished? You know, you have to ask yourself that question instead. Just go deeper with it. That's all it is. Just go deeper with the with the with the high, with the with the conversation. Um, why do why do record labels? That's another one. Why do record labels encourage this? You know, and I'm not saying that they have to. Um, they have to change. They have to make them be something they're not. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all, right? But why? <laughs> they clearly do. They 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 don't exactly. Uh, I don't know. They clearly don't advise too well. You know, I'm I'm not saying that they need to be on them twenty four seven like the article said. They they don't they they can't. They just can't. That's impossible. I'm not expecting them to do that. I'm not expecting them to nanny these eyes, right? But I'm not saying you have you have to foot the bill for the funeral, but do you not feel any culpability towards it? Do you, do you not feel anything, any culpability? I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a question. Um, but yeah. As, as it, art, art imitates life, you know. That's all it is. I imitates life, and because this is all they know, that's their art. But people just—I don't know—people just so people just take it too far sometimes. I guess I'm not sure. Um, that's, that's obviously uh, up to 
whatever the where, if if people are actually getting arrested for these killings, um, it's up to you know the American court system to to decide. I said that with my eyes bulged because fuck that <laughs> American American crime uh, justice system. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that will go very well. Um, but yeah, this comes this this comes down again to um people saying oh well this is this is this is all the blacks fault but what about black on black crime and they don't actually look deeper into that they they just go what about black on black crime and just you know just and just call it that it, another thing they don't care you know people people make these commentaries about rappers right and they don't really care about the person they don't care about the people that they represent they don't care about the communities they come out of. They don't care about any of that. They just need a, they just need a a sign, a picket sign to just throw up and go. What about this person that got shot and he was rapping about shooting people? It's tiresome, man. It's fucking tiresome. Like, a lot of this is a lot of this conversation just gets drowned, 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 drowned in fucking, uh, uh, poli- uh not political points, but you know, just debating. Debate, debate me, debate me, bro, debate me. That's all it is. It just it gets, it gets drowned in that kind of debate discourse, and it's just not healthy. It's not healthy. There's no solutions coming out of that. It's just, it's pretty much similar to it's more it's a more entertaining version of uh, people shouting shit on Twitter. You know what I mean? It's just it's just it's not it's not there's no solutions coming out of this. You just want to debate. You just want something to debate over, or or you want to use it as a as a as a as a as a bat to beat somebody uh, over the head with, quote unquote, intellectually to to make your point. The whatever I don't know, the blacks are demons or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean, just ah, man, man, man. It's just a lot. It's just it's just a lot to think about. Um, so yeah, big up the article for you know making an attempt, I guess, to break it down, but. You know, and I don't think an article uh, can succinctly um, break it all down, but it's a start at least. It's a start, and it's just it just need better platforms for this conversation. That's all we need at this point. We just need better platforms to have this conversation, and not just and not just you know reporting on it. You know, it's like oh, this rapper's dead, and you got your clicks, good for you, and then you kind of move on, right? Need to need to do more on that front as a hip hop media, as a music media. Need to need to move move faster than that. You know what I mean? And move for uh, a move smarter, and move smarter than that. Because um, you know these rappers that are dying are <laughs> are products of their own environment. But you have to ask yourself, how did that environment get like that? And what solutions can we do to make that environment not like it is? That's all it is. Just ask yourself that question. Find some solutions. Go for it. to something that is the complete opposite of what this podcast is <laughs> silence shutting up <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you right I feel like I'm more quiet than, uh, than, than you know obviously the podcast suggests 
Um, I talk more with the podcasts than most things in the day. Um, most of the time, I, don't, I barely talk. I talk to myself a lot, maybe. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I rarely talk during the day. Um, apart from the podcast. So it's interesting how that works. So eh? you, f- you think I'm talking, right? I'm, I am I'm not in real life anyway. Um, so this is a fascinating, fascinating read that I saw. Um, this is uh, written by John Francis, who um, written this road cycle from his own point of view. Um, it's from Iron News, and it's called I Took a 17-Year Vow of Silence. Uh, this is what you learn by not by listening, not talking. So let's jump right in, because I feel like... I, I mean, I asked, I asked this question for show notes, but how, how long have you actually sustained silence? Like a couple of minutes, obviously, sure. A couple of hours, maybe, don't know. A day, definitely not. <laughs> have you been silent for a day? I, I don't think I have, but silent for a whole year? Uh, for 17 years? Crazy. I can't imagine it. Uh, in January 1971, two standard oil company uh, of California tankers collided by the Golden Gate Bridge just outside San Francisco Bay, resulting in an oil spill. Seeing the oil-soaked birds washed up on the shore made me take the unusual step of giving up uh, using motorized vehicles, only choosing only to walk. Walking as a response to an oil spill didn't seem a, stre- a stretch to me, but in California, where cars ruled, to my friends, it seemed crazy. It challenged the status quo, and it was the grist for argument. And it was grist for argument. It was grist, grist. I guess, I guess like a, a, a pressure point, I guess. And I could look it up, but I'm green. Uh, I lived in a small village, Inverness, on the Point Reyes Peninsula, 40 miles north of San Francisco. I was a transplant from Philadelphia and a college dropout searching for the cultural revolution that the Beatles and other pop musicians promised. I donned a flower child's faded blue jeans and variegated uh, tie-dyed uniform. I still wasn't comfortable in my black skin. It's a black guy, by the way. Uh, I called my mother and I told her I'd given up riding in motorized vehicles and how happy I was. Uh, You know, if you're really happy, you don't have to say so, she said. I could hear my dad in the background asking why I hadn't done this when I was 16. Yeah, you can get your driver's license. My mother's immediate question was, how are you going to visit us? I mumbled uh, something about walking across America. I didn't set on that journey right away, but walking more allowed uh, me to experience myself and the environment in a way I had not before. It became the doorway to a more profound change. Several months later, on my 27th birthday, tired of the constant arguments about how one person walking would make any difference, I stunned my friends and myself by taking a one-day vow of silence. During that day, I realised I hadn't been properly listening. I would hear someone just enough to think I to think I knew what they were going to say. Then I would stop listening even as they continued talking. I would be thinking about what I would say back to them. They were wrong. I knew the correct answer, or I could say it better. It didn't take long to realise that I had stopped learning. I didn't ride in motorised vehicles for 22 years, and I maintained a vow of silence for 17. For the first few days... Many friends said my silence was welcome, as I talked too much. But after a while, the novelty wore off. Some, pe- uh, some were tired of interpreting my mime or reading scribbled notes on scraps of paper. I was happy to listen, play the banjo, and share my book of daily drawings. I wrote to my parents in Philadelphia, explaining that I wouldn't be calling on the phone. My mother wrote to tell me my dad would be coming on the next plane. He did show up, and I decided it was best uh, to leave me where I was. He told my mum that this wouldn't work in Philadelphia. 
Travel in everyday life became more thoughtful. At human speed, I no longer rushed to make the 10-minute drive to the next town to visit friends or buy groceries. The five miles, five miles could stretch into hours of walking, noticing, painting, and sitting in whatever wilderness grew beside the road. Invitations to stay for dinner meant I was an overnight guest. Unexpectedly, my relationships with my community grew deeper. Doors were left unlocked for me to find shelter, make a cup of tea, or have a snack. Some folks let me know that there was a spare room with a bed if, during my walks, there was a need. In 1983, I began a silent walk across America with my banjo as my companion, to listen and learn. Along the way, I stopped to work and to study at universities. I invariably sat in the front of my classes, listening intently not only to the remarks of my professors, but to the questions and answers of my classmates. All served to foster my understanding. I mimed my answers and made class presentations with drawings using an overhead projector, writing on the chalkboard, sound recording, and a good dose of banjo music. I earned three degrees, including a PhD in environmental studies. Did I ever want to quit my silence? The answer is yes. After each degree, I questioned my ability to get to the next. When the challenge of being alone, of geography and weather seemed too much, I stopped until I realised our journeys are not for us alone. I finally ended my silence in 1990 on the 20th anniversary of Earth Day to remind myself that I would now speak for the environment, because for me, the meaning of environment has cha had changed from being only about pollution to include people. If people were a part of the environment, then how we treat each other is our first opportunity to treat the environment sustainably, or even understand what we mean by sustainability. Following this hypothesis, we are mistreating the environment if we mistreat each other. Oppression and exploitation of one another manifests in the physical environment around us, in the form of pollution, loss of habitat, and other environmental maladies. I assume that's how you say maladies. It contributes to and exacerbates the effects of climate change. In 1991, I was hired by the United States government to help write oil tanker regulations. What had started as a way to protest oil pollution had evolved to include human rights, civil rights, gender equality, economic equality, economic equity, sorry, and all the ways we relate. On my walk across the United States and the length of South America, I discovered human kindness, compassion, and generosity were critical to my survival and, I believe, the key to the survival of us all. Imagine that. Imagine just, oh, South, Af South America as well. Fuck. Jesus. Uh, through my, though my journey now includes using mod modern modes of transport and talking, each morning as, pra as a practice, I sit in silence for 30 minutes. And each day I continue to walk. In 2003, as a United Nations Environment Programme Special Ambassador, I began a walk across Cuba. This year I visited Tanzania to prepare to walk the length of Africa. As I walk, I'll be following the first steps of our ancestors. Oh, fascinating dude. <laughs> Put simply, fucking hell. Um, but yeah, I feel like the environment stuff uh, and sustainability is very fascinating part of the conversation because people are included in that. Um, when if you're if you're the head of BP, then you're perpetuate then you're treating people, uh, then you're putting people through, you know, um, work that is un that not conducive to the environment. So where does that sit with you? You know what I mean? When when you're head of BP or something like that, um, so a lot of it is based on people. People make are making the decisions that that are destroying our environment with the with oil with uh, war, you know, stuff like that. It's all people-based. The environment is people-based in some fashion. Um, it starts with us. It always starts with us. Um, and I get what he means in terms of how we treat people, 
like um, it could be very it could be very minuscule um, in terms of just like asking. I mean, for me, right? So I've been walking from here from from my home to town, which is about an hour walk, right? Um, partly to save money because I'm skint, but um, but you know, instead of just uh, asking someone for a lift, for example, right? Could do that, but rather walk, right? Because it's just more econom- economical, and I can I can actually make it there in an hour. It's fine. It's not it's not an hour walk is not bothersome to me. I've been listening to James Baldwin's uh, biography. In, in the out in in a few hours, I've been walking in the in the past week, and it's been fun. It's been fun. I've, I've learned a lot. Excuse me, I've learned a lot. Um, obviously about James Baldwin more than anything. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, let's have a book by the way. True stories of com- uh, compassion and generosity that changed the world. Um, so that's a uh, that's fifteen quid if you want to cop that. Apparently, uh, but yeah, man, shout out to John Francis. Um, interesting, just um story i feel like i've actually heard this story before but i'm not gonna i'm gonna um beat myself up trying to think about it um uh, but yeah man let's leave it there ladies and gentlemen uh from the fifth Event podcast network uh, i have tried saying this been what's good engine music has been too much by for that you can uh thanks to your music for busy's track you can find both of their links in the full show notes thanks to friend 5v nappy high for the busy's charismatic for the interlude you can also find his link in the full show notes and with that said i hope you all have a good week I should always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.